All right. We're going to take a little journey here this morning. Think back to the last 10 years and identify two or three of the biggest, best memories of the last uh, five to 10 years. Maybe it was falling in love with the person you're worshiping with today. Uh, maybe it was uh, the birth of a child or the adoption of the child. Or maybe it was a wonderful trip. And as I was doing this exercise, I found myself going back to London in 2002. It was a great trip to see uh, my friend, the Reverend Elder Hong Tang. We had a wonderful time. And uh, now as you go back to your memory, think of what made it special. Some of, the, some of the things that were a part of that. And as I was thinking back to London, I remember uh, seeing Mamma Mia in London. And that was wonderful. And Bombay Dreams. And... Uh, went to the New Globe Theater and saw a Shakespeare play and went to the Tate Modern and saw this amazing exhibit of uh, Picasso and Matisse and just wonderful, wonderful memories. I saw eight shows and went to five different museums in the course of less than a week on this trip and it was great. But as I was reveling in all these memories, I suddenly found found myself remembering something else. And what was like sticking into my brain was all the nasty gum stuck on the sidewalks of London. It's like gum is everywhere. And this was after 9-11, and because of that, there's actually less trash cans in London than there used to be because trash cans can be a place where bombs are hid. And in fact, on the subways, there are no trash cans. And so people have made an art of getting rid of their gum. And if you've been on a subway, you know that sometimes there are these posters and sometimes you'll have like a poster of a, of a model advertising perfume. Well, the people in London would go to the model and like take a piece of gum and like stick it on her lips. And the next person would come along and say, I think some more gum would look good there. And the next thing you know, you have this, this, this sculpture of a poster with this big giant wad of gum sticking out of this model's mouth. And then on that, people would put a piece of tissue or a, a gum wrapper and all this crazy... I mean, next thing you know, you have this, this, this nasty, gross scene. Now, you think I'm exaggerating, but now because of this, there's an actual division of government in London to address the gum problem, and they have committed over $15 million to cleaning up this mess. Now, I started thinking, oh, wait a minute. Actually, when I was in London, I kind of picked up a bad habit. And they say one of the cardinal sins of public speaking is to speak with gum in your mouth. Uh, do I have a volunteer? <laughs> of, okay, I, I got a volunteer. I can't believe it. This is actual gum. Um, I believe in good stewardship. And so if you could just take care of this for me. Um, you know, after the sermon, I'm going to want to come back to this, Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Now, (laughs) thank you, Joy. You know, you might wonder, how could she do that? Well, she's a mother. You know, she has all these kids, so she's probably used to keeping gum. But thank you for taking care of that for me. Now, (laughs) you probably wonder, okay, what does this have to do with anything today? Well, look at the Scripture. Look at the Scripture in front of you today. If you look at this scripture, you will see that this scripture is talking about the stuff that kind of sticks to us in our lives. Uh, The past. Sometimes, even when we think back on wonderful things in our life, it's kind of the nasty, sticky stuff 
that we keep remembering. Like that gum that just ends up everywhere. Those things in our life that that have lost their flavor, those uh, things in our life that have already been chewed (laughs) and we need to get rid of. Paul is looking at this whole challenge of the stuff in our life that sticks and holds us back. Listen to this thought and reflection on our scripture today. In Philippians 3, 7 through 14, Paul addresses the sticky nature of our past. Paul urges us to let go and strive ahead toward a new future made possible by our relationship with Christ. Paul also had a past. He persecuted the early Christians. He could have let his guilt from past actions stick to his heart and keep him from moving forward. Instead, Paul chose to live a transformed life. Paul understood clearly that following Christ and becoming more like Christ involved proper disposal of old ways of living. The past is past. The now opportunity is a full and vital relationship with Christ. If your past keeps sticking to you, holding to you, then focus on the call to let Christ take hold of you. Hmm. It's always a challenge to let go of that stuff that sticks. The bad choices that we can't do over. Um, The relationships that we've taken for granted. The times that we've been hurt. It's easy to let that stuff tangle us up and keep us from moving on. And Paul knew what he was talking about in this scripture. He was one who had persecuted the early Christians, and in fact, he was responsible for the death of some of the early Christians. So he was living with that kind of guilt. And yet, in this scripture, he talks about the possibility of looking in a new direction, of not letting what he'd done in the past be his focus. Paul is talking about a new center of control in his life, a new attention, a new focus. I love the translation that you have there that we shared together, but I'd like you to hear this same scripture with a little bit different language. This is from the message translation, and the language here is very, very real. The very credentials that people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else that I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Christ. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. Yet I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. 
By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. Yet I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running, and I am not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. Mm. Those of us who want everything that God has for us. It's an amazing promise. God has something for each one of us. But in order to receive it, we have to be free. Our hands have to be open. If we're still holding on to bitterness, grudges, bad decisions, mistakes, hurts, heartaches, setbacks, that's all we'll see. We'll not have what God holds. So God's invitation today is to let go of that stuff, that sticky, nasty stuff, and open ourselves. I love the translation that you just heard, and the language that is used there is this idea of embracing God and being embraced by God. How, how that becomes the new focus. In the scripture you have in your worship folder today, the phrase that is used is, Christ has taken hold of me. That's why Paul was able to live a new life. Because all the stuff that had a hold on him, he had let go of. And now Christ had hold of him. Christ was his life, his center, his focus, his forward motion, his movement, his life, his heart, his dream, his faith. It was all there. Christ had taken hold of him. Imagine what would happen if Christ took hold of us and we let go of all the stuff that was holding us back. What would that look like? Let me try to paint a picture of it for you. Um, just this last week, in fact, uh, one of my friends was asking me uh, how long I'd pastored here, and I said 11 years, and I've been pastoring for about 20 years. And he asked me, what are, what are some of the highlights of your 20 years of ministry? And of course, the first thing that, that came to mind were some of the great big days, the day that we dedicated a new worship facility in Washington, D.C., and did the same thing in Richmond, uh, dedicated a new worship facility there. And when we cut the ribbon, we had... Six ribbons. We had the rainbow ribbons. So we cut all the way up and cut the ribbon on that building and worshiped together. And then I found myself thinking back to our first Sunday in this building. 1,700 people in this place as we looked at what God would hold for us in our future. And these building dedications were, were wonderful big days. But then I remembered that it's really not about the building. It's about people. And um, the most powerful moments are those moments where I've had a chance to share someone dedicating their life to Christ and to a new way of being. And as one of the highlights of my ministry, I found myself thinking back just to a, a simple conversation I had with someone who I'll call Barbara. She'd been a member of the church in Richmond, MCC in Richmond, for, for 10 years. Uh, when I got there, she was a very faithful member. She was there every week. She volunteered. She served. She was incredibly faithful. But after being there for about a year, I noticed that that there was a special spirit about her. She wasn't just serving. She wasn't just showing up. She wasn't just being there. It, it, it's like something had taken hold of her, and there was a spark about her. And uh, she asked to meet with me, and I remember the conversation that we had. 
And she said, um, Pastor Duane, there, there's something I don't understand, and, and that's why I'm here today. She said, when I wake up in the morning, the, the first thought that comes to me is, is a thought of God. And then at night, when I'm going to bed, it's, it's like I can hardly get to sleep because I find myself thinking about God. And then she said, when I get to school, and she was a school teacher, when I get to school, I'm, I'm teaching class, and it, it's like God is just in that room. It's like God is in every child, even the obnoxious child. It's like, it's like God's coming through. It's like I look up and God's there. I look behind me and God's there. It's, it's, like, it's like God is beneath me and above me and around me. I don't know what's going on. Pastor Dwayne, can you tell me what's going on with this? Am I going crazy? I said, no, Barbara. It sounds to me like you are falling in love with God. She'd been around God for all these years, had grown up around the things of God. But she was falling in love with God. And it totally changed her perspective on life. And we served together for about another four years. And and I can remember that when it came time for me to go here to Houston, I, I found myself having a difficult time saying goodbye to Barbara. Because she embodied this idea of being in love with God. Nothing from her past was holding her back or weighing her down. She was free in that love. That's what that scripture's talking about today when Paul says, Christ has taken hold of me. It means we've fallen in love with God. It's a beautiful picture. But there's another way to look at the scripture today, what Paul's talking about, this whole idea of embodying the future that God holds for us. In a way, it's like a spiritual journey. And that spiritual journey can take a couple of different shapes. It can be a trip to love and power and grace, or it can be a trip that sounds a little bit more like this. I hadn't really planned on taking a trip, yet I found myself packing in a rush. This trip was going to be unpleasant. I knew in advance that no good would come from this trip. I'm talking about my guilt trip. I got my tickets on Wish I Had Airlines. My destination was Regret City. I didn't check my baggage, of course. I chose to carry all of it myself. It was weighted down with a thousand memories of what might have been. But I carried it all. When I arrived in Regret City, I checked into the Last Resort Hotel. I noticed that they were going to be hosting this year's most important event, the annual pity party. I wasn't going to miss that great social occasion. Many of the city's leading citizens were going to be there. First, the Dunn family would be there in full force. Should have done, would have done, and could have done. There was one family, though, that only had two representatives. This was the Opportunity family. Only missed opportunity and lost opportunity showed up. Others at the party included shattered dreams, it's their fault, don't blame me, and I couldn't help it. I went to this depressing party knowing that there would be no real benefit in attending, and as usual, I became very depressed. As I thought about all the stories of failures brought back from the past, it occurred to me that this trip 
and subsequent pity party could be canceled by me. I started to realize that I didn't have to be here. One thing kept going through my mind. I can't change yesterday, but I do have the power to make today a great day. I can be joyous and fulfilled. I can be encouraged and be encouraging. Knowing this, I left Regret City immediately, and I left no forwarding address. I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made in the past, absolutely, but there's no physical way to undo them. So if you're heading on a trip to Regret City, cancel your reservations. Instead, take a trip to a place called the City of Now. In fact, just go ahead and move there. You'll have great neighbors like I forgive myself, trust and believe, and what really matters. In the city of now, you never have to carry around heavy luggage. It's lifted from your shoulders the minute you arrive. God bless you in finding this place called now. It's in your own heart. It's a gift of Christ. Go there and live there. So which city do you choose? We have a choice. Are you holding on to the past or letting Christ hold on to you? We really do have a choice about where we put our focus and our attention. Our life can be like that gum stuck everywhere, collecting junk, sticky, nasty, no flavor. Or our life can be full of possibilities and joys. In just a moment, the Gospel Ensemble is going to sing a wonderful song called Giants. And for some of you, what you're holding on to may not be just a piece of chewed up gum. It might be a real giant in your life. Uh, The good news is that our God is a God of the little stuff, the sticky stuff, and also a God of the big stuff. And when you hear that song in a few minutes, think about how God's going to bring down those giants. All right, Joy, thank you so much for keeping that for me. You know, maybe this really isn't a stewardship issue. Maybe I should put this gum where it really belongs.